trust in him, he then can open the doors and give us grace that we need to walk this life out. But it starts with us. The key scripture of last week was 2 Corinthians 12.9, which many of you know, I'm sure, but I, it, it's worthy going back to. This was Paul, again, going through so much. He was saying, Lord, <laughs> God, take these things away from me. I've kind of had quite a few bad days following you, right? And the Lord said, each time he said this, God said to me, my grace is all you need. My power works best in your weakness. So now I am glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work around me? No, through me and in me. It's him who gives it to us. And Paul, he didn't have this scripture, by the way, when he was going through things. I know we know that. It was in him already, in the Holy Spirit. But he lived this stuff out. That's why he could write that stuff out. He didn't have the King James Version. I'll leave it out there, but for all your preachers. He didn't have a Bible. He had to go through these experiences himself. So God had to sharpen him so he could write this out through all the persecution, perseverance, patience, and all that fun stuff. We worked with this definition last week about grace. Our working definition was it's the, the power is the grace of God that is inexhaustible supply of goodness by which he does for us what we could never do for ourselves. Some of us live under the mic, micro concept that we have the power to pull off this Christian life on our own. It's, it involves human effort over God's favor for us. We may not do it intentionally, but it, it can be there at times, right? So today's title is Serving Up Grace. We're going to talk about grace, and there could be many Sundays about grace. I just continue to trust that we can, I can get this all out today. We're talking about serving up grace. We talked about women in grace, but we're talking about serving in grace. Our anchor scripture for today is Romans 5, 1 through 2. Therefore, again, Paul's going to be busy today. We're, we're going to be referencing him a lot. Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done for us. Because of our faith, Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege where we now stand and we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing the gospel. What does that have to do with grace? I'm glad you asked. It talks about that we've received this salvation which was through grace. So there's three things I want to talk to you today about under grace. One, we've been given it, and we kind of talked about that last week. Two, and it talks about rejoicing in there in the last scripture. Two, we have, we've been given it to help us, but we've also been given it to transform us, to transform us. 
And third, if we have been given it and it's helped us in our life to follow Christ and it's transforming us, it then organically should be given to others around us. Through us. We heard that earlier. Through us. Ooch, that's not the fun part at times. It isn't. But it all works together. I just I want to break down uh, these two words, mercy and grace, so we can hear this. Mercy and grace, they are two vital terms, certainly in our Christianity, right? In short, mercy is God not giving us what we deserve. Grace is God giving us something we don't deserve. Fine lines, but can lead you in two different directions. So we've received grace. I want to start at the very beginning. Close your, don't close your eyes if you go to sleep easy in the church, but close your eyes and just, just, listen, just hear my eloquent voice. So let's start. So it's, we're in Genesis, and we're in the Garden of Eden. The birds are chirping. It's just you. Don't think of your significant other to start pointing fingers. Just think of you. We're in the Garden. You just finished a day or the night before of spending time with Almighty God, your Creator. And at the end, I don't know, you guys forgot to give a name to this flying thing that sucks blood out of your arm, and you say, hey, it's a mosquito. So anyhow, side note, but follow me. The morning after, you see out of the corner of your eye that tree that God talked about before, the tree of knowledge. And you get closer to it because God's not around, you know. I'm a little quiet day today. I had a big day yesterday, and God will come around soon, but I'm just going to look at that. And then you hear this voice. We know where I'm heading with this, but I want to po point something out entirely different today, I believe. You hear this voice says, hey, come over here. I want you to look at something. You hadn't heard the voice before. You're curious. So this serpent begins to talk to you. Hey, I want to show you something. The serpent not yet does not point to the tree that you've been kind of looking at the corner of the eye. But the serpent probably pulls out the first time a mirror was ever created on planet Earth. And he shows it to you. That's you. That's you. God didn't really mean for you. He's taking the focus off of God. That God didn't mean that for you, that you couldn't eat that. Surely there can't be any consequence in sin. That mirror, when you looked at it, all your focus was on you and not on God anymore. And what happened? If you're still closing your eyes, you picked the fruit, you ate it. It wasn't your significant others. It's just you. This is you today. And when you ate it, God came around and said, where are you? He knew where you are. He needed you to answer that. Here's my point today leading up to this. God's heart was broken. We know that for what happened. But it was more broken that he had a fork in the road. I had mercy right now. 
and grace. He chose first, thank, the, thank you God, mercy. He did not give Adam and Eve, or you if you're still in the garden, you can open your eyes. He did not give you what you deserved when you ate that fruit. But then he knew, how am I going to continue this relationship? How? Because we're separate now. And that's when he began to formulate grace, I believe. So when you think you're going through and trying to live out your life the way you're supposed to and, and do what you're supposed to, remember, grace started in the Garden of Eden where God said, I need to give them grace or they're not going to make it through. They're not going to be able to make those decisions that they thought they could about what is good for me and what is evil. And we'll just watch the news tonight, how that's working, as we say. So we needed grace. God had to give us his grace so we could navigate through our bad decision. Does that make a little sense? But it started with a mirror. When we begin to look at ourselves so much and not the who created us, we begin to take things on in our own ways to solve problems in our own ways. We live in a culture where it's number uno who we need to be looking out for, which is totally upside down from any Christ follower's mindset. But thank you for grace. Thank you for grace. See, God knew that you, we were going to have a barrage of opportunities to continue to sin just after that bite of that fruit. And he said, my grace will be sufficient to get through that in those times. Can we go to Romans 6.14? So Paul is coming to a place here that I have enough grace to be sufficient in my weakness so I can say this. Sin is no longer my master. For you no longer live under the requirements of the law. Instead, you live under the freedom of God's grace. Again, the law was the first circumvent of trying God giving grace. But the problem was we couldn't meet those laws. But the cross gave us the value through Christ where we could receive grace. There have been many teachings on grace over the years, and, and, and some of it, they will not say the title of it, but it's really cheap grace. Most of our Western churches have decided to mistake cheap grace for God's grace. Uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer uh, wrote many books, and uh, he was a German living in Germany during uh, Hitler's reign. And uh, he was—he's he, very—he wrote a few books, beautiful on community under those circumstances, you know, of Hitler's rule. And one of the things he was was big on was grace. And his definition of cheap grace was simple: it, cheap grace doesn't cause you to change or be transformed. 
that just gets you on to the next sin. And Jesus dying on the cross to give us this grace for our mindset to be how far can I go to an edge in sin? And I'll just ask for grace on Sunday morning after Saturday night, right? Cheap grace. We've got to be careful. You know this song, but I, I feel I have to read it, not sing it. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like you guys. No, like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. How precious did the grace appear the hour I first believed. Through many dangers and toils. How many of you get that occasionally? Dangers and toils. And snares. Oops, sorry I did that. I have already come. This grace that brought me safe thus far. And grace will lead me home. That was written by, we know, James Newton, but he didn't grow up in church. He was an atheist at times, or leading up to this great discovery at sea of leading slaves in ships across the ocean. He was one of the captains, and they had this mighty storm comes against us, and this song came out of that. Help! And transformed his life when he walked off that boat because God saved him. And he never looked back from what he was doing. So how do I apply this? How do I know and receive this grace, right? Well, I kind of talked about earlier. Don't put value in your mirrors at home. Don't keep looking into it to define who you are. Begin to ask God to see what he sees in you. One of the greatest mirrors is we know it. The word of God. Read it. See how he sees. But to receive grace, you need to also understand how much you are loved. Otherwise, you'll be not increasing your faith towards a loving God, but a religious God that sits in the clouds and points and does his own will over your free will. Know you are loved. Hang out with people that know that they've been saved from something, <laughs> a.k.a. hell. All right? I, I was at the Dream Center in uh, L.A. Uh, la I think last month, and I got to go through a tour and meet some people down there. Some of the people I met down there, they, they knew the grace of God. Whether they were coming out of addiction or just some really bad decisions. Over and over, you could see it on their face. But God. We know that around here. But God. When everything seems to be falling out from under me, whether I did it or things out of my control. But God. And you could see the grace on their face of receiving it. Some of you will not know the full grace of God till you begin to surrender things. You still want some control in your life. You need to surrender for grace to come in. 
there's a great, I may have time, seen, seen the movie or it was a play on Broadway, Les Miserables, right? That whole thing is saturated with grace. There's a scene in it, uh, I'll go quickly here. There's a scene where Jean, Flo, Jean Von John or whatever, I don't remember his name, uh, he's, he's, the, he's the protagonist, he's the main character, and he's just made some bad decisions in his entire life. But God keeps leading him. And there's a point where he needed money, and a priest let him stay at his house one night. And he got up early, not the priest, John Von John, whoever, and he took some of the gold candlesticks off of his fireplace without the priest knowing and left. Well, he gets caught by the authorities the same day later down the road, and they find these candlesticks, and they're like, they knew they didn't come from a normal cottage. They came from a priestly home. So they brought, the, the police brought him back in and stood him before the priest, and they unpacked the bag and showed him the candlesticks. And he spent, this priest spent some time with the main character, knowing that he's transforming, he's struggling. Just like some folks that go to the L.A. Dream Center or go to the Providence Rescue Mission, different like that. And the, and the police are ready to file a charge, throw them in jail, and said, these had to have come from you. And there's this pausing moment where the priest looks up and said, those did come from me, but I gave them to him. A priest lied? He was being moved through compassion to give grace that main character. All right, well, we're getting grace, right, guys? You're not looking in your own mirrors. You're reading the Word. You're hanging out with people that understand they've been saved from hell and they appreciate God's grace in their life. So as you begin to get grace and being transformed, and we talked about some things last week of some women that have gone some thing, through some things that God has only carried them. Again, grace is not to sidestep you around issues in your life. It's to help you go through them. And in the going through of things in your life, whether death or financial loss or just struggles or you've got, eh, I'm not belittling this, you've got a backpack and a lot of luggage from your prior life, you know, you're, you carry around a lot of bags and you're at the baggage claim area a lot. But anyhow, um, but I'm being serious in a sense, you know, you, you've got a lot of weight in your life, which is real weight, real weight. But as you begin to surrender that, not knowing all the answers of what tomorrow may bring. God can give you his grace, and then he can give you some transformational things that will happen in your life, not just so you don't go back and pick up the luggage, but so he can begin to work in you and become the full person that he's calling you to be, and we can be more into the image of Christ. Let's go to Colossians 1, 20 through 23. This is like a public service announcement. You remember in the olden days or NBC or CBS, you'd be watching your program, we have a public service announcement, just say no to drugs, right, or something like that, you know, which are good public service. This is our Christian public service announcement, I believe. And through him, God reconciled everything to himself. He had every right to do that. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. Oh, the blood of Christ. This includes you were once far away from God. You were his enemy, separated from him by your evil thoughts and action. Me? Yet now he has reconciled you to himself through the death of Christ in his physical body. 
As a result, he has brought you into his own presence. And you are holy, blameless, as you stand before him without a single fault. Mm. But you must continue to believe this truth and stand firm in it. Don't drift away from the assurance you've received when you heard the good news. How many know in the good news there's a lot of grace that oozes out when you tell it? A lot of it. The good news has been preached all over the world, and I, Paul, have been appointed as God's servant to proclaim it. There is a mouthful in there of what's been done for us. Ephesians 2, 4, 5, talking about grace some more. But God is so rich in mercy that he loved us so much that even through we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that you have been saved. As grace is working in us, it really has two main purposes. One, to keep us closer to our creator, God. And two, to transform us and the things around us. How many have you, you, even your own, the power, we know the scripture, the power of the word and the power of their testimony they defeated through the blood of the lamb. Your testimony is oozing with grace when you tell somebody about it. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Blind, but now I can see. Pastor, I wasn't really blind. No, you were spiritually blind. That's worse, believe it or not. But Christ saved me. 2 Corinthians 3.18, I think I did the amplified version here, hopefully, yes. And all of us, as with unveiled faces, because we continue to behold, we talked about that earlier, in the word of God, as in a mirror, the glory of the Lord are constantly being transfigured into his very own image in every increasingly splendor and from one degree to glory to another glory. For this comes from the Lord, the Lord who is the Spirit. We are being transformed into glory and to glory more and more as we're letting grace take us and free us from things that would hold us down. Transformation, please, please understand. In, 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 in most of the cases, transformation doesn't come from major accumulation of information of knowing what to do. I'm going to say that again. This type of transformation we're talking today, transformation in most cases, is not, the major accumulation of information is not leading you to transformation all the time. Or transformation is not merely a behavior modification. But it's an internal change that reflects the character of Christ and brings about a full corresponding change in my life. We need to know the word. We need to, know, need to be in it. But it's not always what we do because we have to plan that and be our own judges of what we've done versus his grace to say, I see your heart. 
you're being transformed. There's a billion-dollar self-help industry. Books are coming out as we speak. How I can help you be a better you. Some of it's good. Some of it's biblical at some point. But at some point it falls off a cliff by not surrendering to your creator of who made you. Because it's almost like cotton. And I follow some of these motivational speakers, and they're good. But it's almost they're selling cotton candy at times. Looks good until I bite into it. Wait, that's all it was? Now I need to need another self-help book, another self-help book. When the best book on the planet, hello, I don't have to. God is the self-help master if we let him be. And the power of love bridges that grace so you can be transformed. Transformed. How do I apply this in trying to transform First of all, put the fruit down that we talked about earlier in Garden of Eden. Some of you are holding the fruit too much. It's not going to get you anywhere that you want to go. Put the fruit down. Don't dwell in the past. The past is what? Thank you. But trust in change when it begins to happen in your life if your ultimate goal is to glorify your Father. Trust in this painful process, and sometimes I've had to go through, again, how are we applying to let God be transformative in our life through grace? But then sometimes when we're being transformed, there's a pruning process. How many gardeners or green thumbs we have? Pruning is cutting things back so new things can grow that God wants to grow in your life. It can be painful, and that in itself you need grace. Because there's a lot of unknowns. I was comfortable here and now I'm being pulled over here. I feel like I have less control. Pruning, it's actually a good thing. Romans 12, 2. Don't copy the behavior of customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you which is good and pleasant. We've heard Pastor John over the years renewing the mind, how that is important. That's your your main operating systems in your daily rhythms and lives of how you compute and decide to do things. God wants to transform the way you think as part of that transformation as well. But when you're being transformed, things are going to change. And for some, that might be uncomfortable. But that's one of the constant things in life, right? Change. Nobody said amen. That's all right. All right, number three. If, if you've received the grace, you're being transformed in the grace, you know, you're following Christ more and more, at some point, our input that we're getting as Christ followers beyond the title of a Christian. Again, you remember Christ following is following Christ. And as we continue to follow him, we come closer and closer to him, and then we start looking like him and become his image more and more and more on this journey we call life. 
So Christ followers should, if we're walking in this, our input of what God continues to give us and tell us to do should begin to come close to equaling our output. Not rocket science. An equivalent of input and output, right? So that means with the grace we've been given and what amazing things has done in our life, we need to, as I mentioned at the onset, begin to give grace to others. Because you needed it at one point, right? You did. Now it gets a little sharp here. There is a dying world out there that doesn't know grace. But you do, hopefully, because you've experienced that. So if you've experienced it, God is a perfect design. He's asking you through him, through yourself, because of him, to give that out to others. So if I have a dying world, it doesn't sound like it's a world that's a utopia of anything, right? Again, watch the evening news. So we may have the answer. There's this book called What's So Amazing About Grace? Sharpening the pencil here. Its, it's author is Philip Yancey. Very powerful book. I'd encourage you. We need to get that in the bookstore. You know, if you want to learn more about grace, this, is, this pulls and stretches you and makes, what, really? That couldn't be. You know, it's just a, an amazing book you can't put down. But he says this, and he's, he was, uh, he's been in churches. I believe he may have pastored a church. I quote here. He says, I attended Bible college for years and later realized that the one thing I did not get was the understanding of grace. Knew all the scriptures, knew everything. Didn't understand grace. We knew the history of the Bible, the power of God, but never about his grace or showing it to others. He came to a conclusion in one of his chapters. He says, I believe the cause of most, and I can say this word too, emotional in church, I can say emotional, emotional problems amongst Christians these days are one, failure to understand, receive, and live out God's unconditional grace and forgiveness. Two, the failure to give it out unconditionally and attach it to forgiveness and that grace that people need around you. We believe good theology of grace, but that's not the way we live most of the time. Gordon McDowell, uh, another author, he says, he said, you need not be a Christian to build a house, feed the hungry, or through medicine heal the sick. There is only one thing the world cannot do. It cannot offer true godly grace. So we have it. It's with us. And it's really our responsibility on a Sunday morning here. Romans 5, 2021. God's law was given so that, again, this was that early in, after, right after Adam and Eve. God's law was given so that all people could see how sinful they were. But as people sin more and more and more and more and more, God's wonderful grace became abundant. 
So just as sin ruled over all people, this is important, just as sin ruled over all people and brought them to death, now God's wonderful grace rules instead, giving us right standing with God and resulting in eternal life through Christ our Lord. If you're following Christ, I don't know how to articulate this. You really shouldn't ever have a bad day. I'm not just being utopianism or just ecocentric or whatever. But just you know where you're going when you die. That's the big question, right? So the end of your road has already been mapped out. And then the little things leading up to that end our little things. Some of the anger and, and ungrace that the world is at its people, the core of that, and they may not admit it, is because there's fear and a lot of unknown when they die. That's why our entertainment business is billions of dollars. That's why there's so many distractions on your phone. There's so many distractions to keep you away as a non-Christian not knowing this. What is the end of the road? What is the meaning of life we've heard? And there's so many things that are going on to push that away. But you have the answer today. So you have a flat tire when you go to the parking lot. That stinks. But you are going to heaven at some point. Yeah, pastor, but, you know, I had an appointment. And Okay, well, then say, God, I need your grace. How is this tire going to be fixed? Triple A, whatever. And if my delay is my obligations later, orchestrate them for me to be where I need to be to do your will and glorify you at all times. It opens the door up a little more than going home and watching a soap opera and say, oh, my whole life is so... I know I'm venting right now, but it's just, come on, guys. And I'm not perfect at it yet, but there, we have the, we have the, we've read the end of the book. I know some pastors have preached that. And we know where we're going, so... And we have the answer, though. We have the answer. The King James Version of some of that scripture said, and this is my other point that I got, dis I got distracted, says, where sin abounds, grace more abounds. So you have pockets full of abounding things in you that you can go to sinners, you, and don't call them sinners, please, but I'm just being biblical right now. <laughs> but why do we run away? I can't drive 20 feet in front of a bar. Oh, my gosh. Go in and talk to them. Jesus did. Again, know where your maturity level, pray about it. But we can't be scared of sinners and look down on them. We have grace in us. If God's given us this grace, we should be abounding towards them when they're sinning. God's given us that power to do that. Uh, Hebrews 4, 15, 17. The high priest of our understanding, our weakness, for we faced all of the same testings, talking about Jesus, Yet Jesus did not sin. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it the most. Keep going. Did we go 17? That's fine. 
So we have this. We've been given this grace because of what was done on the cross. I'm venting still. So I would, uh, uh, when we haven't been showing grace as, as a church, have we been holding the picket sign? That's less grace and more judgment. A post on social media. How wrong crazy people are. How non-crazy you look. Less grace, more judgment. We are called to be fruit inspectors, but we are not called to hold the gavel. We're not. Because when we begin to think we hold the gavel, we now <laughs> get to take our eyes off of ourselves, and not on God, but on the other person that is your enemy. This is, yeah. Romans 2, 3, 8. I'm going to stop the bleeding soon. Since you judged others for doing these things, why do you think you can avoid God's judgment when you do the same things? Do you see how wonderfully kind, <laughs> tolerant, and patient God is with us? Does this mean nothing to you? Can't you see that his kindness is intended to turn you from your sin? But because you are stubborn and refuse to turn from your sin, you are storing up terrible punishment for your neighbor. No, for yourself. For a day of anger is coming when God's righteous judgment, he'd be the judge, will be revealed keep going he will judge everyone according to what they have done not their intentions he will give eternal life to those who keep on doing good seeking after the glory and honor and immortality that God offers but he will pour out his anger and wrath on those who live for themselves who refuse to obey the truth and instead live lies of wickedness. Christian folks. He's talking to a church right there. He's not talking to the people at the casino down the street. So in that scripture it talks about the goodness of the goodness of God leads to repentance. Imagine if we tried that. But wait, pastor. We have to transform them to not sin again. No. God's just asking him to give us to give them grace. And he does the transformation in a church, in relationships, and in learning the word of God more. We have over time, I'm not saying our church, but maybe let's blame every church. I'm on a roll. <laughs> have tried to speed up the process of sanctification for new sinners by rolling our own sleeves up and saying, God, I got this. I got a good program. And holding our own grace to give it out when we feel, beating them up until we feel they're transformed. No wonder people are leaving the church. But yeah, amen. 
Forgive us. <laughs> Forgive us. There is spiritual authority, so I'm not discounting that. By, by different callings in one's life to speak truth to people and, and call them out when they're doing wrong. I'm not saying that. But the generalization, because we live in a world of sound bites and posts and, and everything else, we judge way too much without learning people's stories. Do you realize everybody has a story? Imagine if we viewed each and every one of us that way. That's how God views us. He knows your story. He's, again, image of Christ we're, we're hoping to get to <laughs> when you choose to follow Christ. How do I apply giving grace out? Because I'm just not good at it. You know. Well, in your daily life, in your rhythms, when you feel uncomfortable with somebody, that's where you begin. <laughs> what? So maybe a person that you would never talk to is having a bad day at the coffee shop. Man, the life is just crazy. Oh, hold on a minute. Hang on. No. It's keeping it next to you, but do you know, it can be crazy, right? No, get oversaved. Michael Jr. says oversaved. But you leave, life is crazy, and boy, there's got to be something greater than this. You've just given a little grace for them to think about something and see where it goes from there. But for you to give grace out, it's going to have to be in uncomfortable situations at first. Because otherwise, is it really grace? <laughs> people you'd never talk to, people you totally disagree to, we got political season coming out. Grace is when it's not going to be expected from the other party. What? What? There are so many testimonies, and even at the Dream Center when I was out, hearing that when Christ followers were sensitive to the Holy Spirit, uncomfortable or they were rushed for time or things going on, when they followed the Holy Spirit to, to, to care more, to give grace more, it, it changed the people's lives around them. So hearing the people at the L.A. Dream Center, most of them got, it was just a, a, a casual occasions with other Christians that led them to that. Like, you know, there's something better than what you're doing. I'm not judging you because you know what? I've been there. Again, your power, your testimony can be very powerful. Testimonies are so powerful. But God knows he's the great orchestrator when to say things and where to be. I want to show this video in just one second. Let me, let me please introduce it first. Um, so I'm going to show you this video that, that it's a gentleman that is in the middle of being transformed by grace. But guess what? He wasn't your milkman. He wasn't the newspaper boy that never hits the paper right on. He was, he was nobody you would see probably in this room that you would associate with because he, he, he led a satanic church, if you call him a church, whatever. But I want you to see this short clip and see what the grace of God was doing in his life. Can you play that, please, and just make sure the volume's up right away? Again, he's in the middle of being... I did this interview, and in this interview I said, I don't believe that Jesus Christ 
exists. And after the interview, this lady came to me and she hugged me and she held me in a way that I've never been loved. I saw this woman is a Christian. I've never had, I've never experienced a Christian showing that much love and acceptance unconditionally. After that interview, I had a meeting with council members at the, at the church and they said, okay, great, now we've done all these interviews and people know and it's growing, Satanism is growing and believe me people it is. And I had to do a ritual by myself to see how do I get more, more power, more influence. And I did this ritual and I opened myself up and Jesus appeared and I was extremely cocky and I said, if you are Jesus, you need to prove it. And he flooded me with the most beautiful love and energy. And I recognized it immediately because that woman at the radio station showed it to me. That's how I recognized the love of Christ immediately because four people showed it to me and I didn't understand it at the time. I couldn't understand because, like I said, I didn't believe. Even when I was in Christian ministry almost 20 years ago, I never knew it until a month or two ago. The love of Christ is unconditional. When you experience it, it is something different. I have for a long time believed that I am not worthy of God's grace. Let me tell you something today. The kingdom of God is not a gated community. The kingdom of God is open to everybody. It's my prayer that you will, you will feel the love. I, I pray that the peace of, of Christ will be with you. So it's a long video. That's just some short clips. But he, had, he grew up in church. And, and uh, every Christian after he left church never wanted to come near him. So he was actually one of the founders in South Africa of the Satanic Church. And real quickly, was he kept going to this radio station to do these episodes. And there was this, <laughs> she was a lady about the age of 60 to 70. And at each time they were done doing their interview, he'd walk up to her. He's like, I love you so much. And Jesus loves you. And that began to settle into his heart, as you saw. He didn't go to a church and a preacher yelled at him. Was some, God had orchestrated somebody in that radio station to just show the love of Christ and give him grace so he could come to Christ. Imagine what we can do if we were more intentional. There's that great story. Oh, boy, it's going like great story. Um, Nikki Cruz. How many remember Nikki Cruz? David Wilkerson, yeah, who helped start Teen Challenge. He was, David Wilkerson was a, um, a preacher in New York City in the early 60s, and he was ministering to gang people, and Nicky Cruz was the leader of one of the biggest gangs in New York City, and he would kept going to him, and he felt, David felt called to continue to sow seeds in his life, and there came one time on a rainy afternoon down an alleyway, late at night, he confront, Nicky confronted him and saw him, and pushed him in this alley, and whipped out a switchblade, and put it, whew, Put it on his throat. So if you tell me about Jesus one more time, I'm going to cut you into a million pieces. 
And David Wilkerson, through the grace of God and the sacrifice for his Savior, said, do it, Nikki, but every time you cut me, every piece is going to be crying out how much Jesus loves you. Turned his life around, Nikki Cruz, and got into Teen Challenge and led many other things to save, wrote books, there's music, there's uh, movies and crossing the switchblade, but that was through grace of one man giving that divine grace to another. And even with this person we saw in the video, how much more do we need to be giving grace to a dying world out there? How much? James said, grace is given to proud Christians. No. It says grace is given to those who are humble. Walk in humility. You are not all that in a bag of chips. You're not. Without God, you're nothing. We've got to get to that point. Don't pursue things that try and create only an identity outside of who God's called you to be, which is to be like Christ. Amen? So grace, you can receive it. If you're going through a hard time, I'm going to recap here. Grace, you can receive that if you've accepted Christ into your life. Part of the cross was done through grace. But as you continue to receive that, you need to surrender more and more of your life to him and say, I don't know what tomorrow brings, but I know you created tomorrow. And then the second thing is that grace will begin to move around and, and transform you inside and do things you never did before. How many of you thought you'd be in a church on a Sunday listening to me talk? No, right? Be following Christ. Get the transformation. It's okay for that to be happening. And then in that transformation process, give it away. Give this grace away to everybody you see every day. Give it away. Give it away. The world is going to be saved, not by great messages, but in each and every one of your lives of giving this grace. I hope you understand that. This is, again, I'm still learning it too, but man, it gives you a freedom. Judging is exhausting at times. But giving grace is a natural design in you if you're following Christ. And the amazing things that you can see God do that you could never do into a person's life. The word neighbor in the Bible is there, I didn't count. It's a lot of times. Think of your neighbors, the grace they need. Think of your kids, the grace they need. Your spouse, grace you need. We need it. All right, where's my worship band? Let's stand. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for today. And we believe that Holy Spirit, you know where each and every one of us is, and you're ministering to us on the level that we can understand. Lord, let us continue to understand the grace we need to receive from you. Not because you want us to do that, but